This is Madria with the Working with Woes podcast series, and I'm actually pretty happy to say that this is going to be my last podcast in this entire series. I am closing it off, and uh, for good reasons. I just realized, you know what? It it was somebody else's idea to do this, and uh, it wasn't. It, I think that came through in some of the harsher tones that I had while I was talking. So um, I decided to just kind of reroute a little bit, and I've been through a lot of big life changes in the last few years, and I've finally come to terms with it, including with the issues that I have discussed in this podcast series. Actually, it's kind of interesting because this whole podcast series ended up being sort of a quest. Um, I was always seeking, but how do people overcome these things? But how this, how, how, how? And I kind of, through all these questions and all that, um, the interviews, talking to neuroscientists, talking to psychologists and counselors of, and social workers even of various degrees, um, it all boils down to one word, enrichment, enrichment. That is the answer to my entire query. So, of course, now I'm like, well, how do I enrich my life in this way or that way? And I'm beginning to build on that. And quite frankly, I must say, it's actually way more fun to focus on that and to really close the chapters of bad days. (laughs) Um, You know, life is going to have bad days, but I feel like now moving forward, the bad days that are going to come will be maybe a bit more normal um, and not so hindsight trauma focused. So it's sort of like I have this picture in my mind of this really big book gently closing for good. Like it's just a lot of this is truly finished. So for this last um, podcast, I am going to briefly talk about some things that I realized in my time as a public health um, student RN, and then um, some things that I have learned about building trust, how to identify trustworthy people, what elements of trust are good to recognize. I feel like the world is truly focused on identifying bad things, um, which I'm like, you know, if that's what you're focusing on, you're going to find it. Really, you are. And even if you don't know that's what you're doing, awareness is the first step to progress. So I've become aware of things that I was focusing on and things that people out of morbid curiosity, because my life story is not very common, Um, so people are, are curious and they don't really care about the impact that their curiosity has on me. And I was answering their questions and reliving everything all the time and not understanding why I was so impacted. And it's because it's sort of like they were pushing my head under the sand and then getting mad at me for not being able to breathe. And so now that I know that I can peacefully and respectfully decline even having to talk about it. Like I can talk about it now with less impact because I've had some closure since um, in the last few years. But, you know, there's just no point in talking about it. There's no value in that kind of suffering. It's just, it's undue stress. It's injustice. And 
I'm very happy to say it's over. It's just over. So looking at trust, um, trust is a very, very important part of life enrichment. So before we delve into trust, I'm going to talk a little bit about emotional regulation and co-regulation. Co-regulation is what's missing in a lot of people's lives who are people who are traumatized and have poor parenting um, upbringing. They lack skills in co-regulation. And so co-regulation is in a healthy way is when somebody lets you express your feelings and then helps you to redirect it in the moment. Usually that'll be some sort of comfort. Um, you know, kids, when they cry and stuff, it's it's usually a soothing thing. I've done this for my, my friend's kids as well. If they're crying, I'll, you know, rub their back or give them a hug. And then I'll ask them, what's, what's wrong? Why are you crying? And then I'll be like, well, you know, oh, I don't know. My brother took my toy. And I'll be like, well, is it okay? Like, is it his turn to play with it? Or do you have another toy that you can play with right now? And, you know, so it's not, it's not ignoring the problem that's at hand. And that's a small issue because, you know, a brother stealing a toy is not going to be traumatic, but it's just a simple example that probably more people can relate to, especially if you have kids. And if you don't have kids, then if you have friends who have kids, which I, I do, I have a lot of friends who have kids, um, and so it's just a matter of rerouting and that's a natural, healthy parenting instinct. So when people grow up without that, like I have, I'm learning this all like mid thirties, right? It, this is hard to learn <laughs> as a mature woman. Um, and it's, it's one thing to learn about it and it's another to try to apply it. Like, how do I apply it when I'm well past the age of, parenting. Like I, I can't really get that back and I don't have a partner right now. I'm not really looking because I'm, I'm really, I want to enrich my life and, and become an awesome version of myself. And I feel like I'm on the right track. So until I stabilize with that a little bit more and solidify some of these good habits, I'm just not looking. I think the right guy is going to come in at the right time. And, um, you know, I don't know. I'm just, going to put that idea out there to the universe, but like co-regulation. So having to learn about it is tough enough, but having to try this on my own is interesting. Did you know that neurologically hugging yourself has a very similar impact to when somebody else hugs you? So if you're in a similar situation to me or worse, where you really don't have anybody, like you don't have friends, you don't have, um, uh, pets or access to animals or, or outdoor anything, or you're just in a worse situation somehow, um, just be kind to yourself. Like humans need touch. And so by rubbing my shoulder or something like that, or rubbing, you know, if your stomach, if you feel bad or something like that, it teaches you to accept healthy touch so when that feels okay from yourself to do that in a safe way, you'll be able to accept that and recognize that it's coming from a good place when it does from other people. And this is the skills that I'm, I'm learning. I'm teaching myself new neural pathways. So that's co-regulation. Now regulation, emotional regulation is healthy because it's sort of like a branch of that. 
where of co-regulation where you are essentially um, feeling an emotion and rerouting it. Now, regulation tends to lead to unhealthy habits called coping mechanisms. Coping mechanisms can be healthy. Um, co-regulation is, is one of those things where, you know, if you go to counseling and you learn all CBT, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy techniques, or I'm now certified in neuro-linguistic programming as a practitioner. So um, I am going to, like, I have a business now and I'm just getting that up and going and it's going to be to help people to release trauma. So my experiences with nursing have been awful and traumatic, but I was able to co-regulate with professionals and friends in healthy ways. And there were several other things, really bad breakup, um, just family moving far away, um, internal conflicts, having to face my past, having to face the present situation of poor decisions that I made all at once. It gets overwhelming. So... It's been tough, but I learned a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And sometimes you can choose, you can recognize, okay, I need to co-regulate right now because sometimes when you're in the moment and you are alone, things spin and you have to literally get up and move and pull yourself out of that cycle in the moment. And you also have to be very honest with yourself. And this is where regulation hits the line of healthy and unhealthy. So when you're healthy and you're emotionally regulating, you can identify what the emotion is that you're feeling and why. So right now, um, or, you know, whenever, like in the moment of what you're going through, right, you could be like, oh, I'm feeling very angry because my boss overlooked my hard work and gave credit to somebody who doesn't treat me well. That's probably frustrating, right? Why are you feeling angry? You're actually disappointed. Why are you disappointed? Because you didn't get your due credit, your due respect. You feel overlooked. Um, and, you know, so it, it branches down into that. And it's beyond asking why five times. Then it's like, okay, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to call that person down and reach their level and be the same as them and then secretly feel bad about myself? Or am I actually going to do something else? And what is it that could improve this situation? So my life coaching business is about that. I teach people how to navigate without big, complex, um, year-long treatments or anything like that. I just basically help them to identify their own linguistic patterns and revise it in very subtle, easy ways. And I've had the good fortune of practicing this on some of my friends without them knowing it, some of them, and with them knowing it, some of them. And it's really amazing how fast it works. Um, so yeah, so I decided, you know, through the traumas that I experienced in these last few years, I kind of chose to face things head on. And through that process, I'm finding my vocation. Now with that regulation versus um, co-regulation, unhealthy regulation is sort of masking the trouble that's there. So a lot of people do lie to themselves and they're like, oh, well, this person was wrong. It's them. They're, they're the default. It's not me. Because we live in a society that quite frankly is sort of very, very selfish and shallow and topical. And it does not really emphasize um, deep introspection. Introspection is hard. 
I think the hardest thing to do is to face yourself and all your shit and take ownership of your mistakes. It's very hard. But it's not bad. It's not always bad. Um, You have to build good rapport with yourself before you can truly, truly, truly build lasting good rapport with other people. That's what I've learned. So um, I've had to get to the nitty gritty and I'm still in this process where I'm questioning like, do I trust myself? Yes, in which ways? No, in which ways? How can I improve in these ways? What are some small risks I can take to, to kind of build that rapport with myself and thus with other people? Very, very interesting journey. Um, much better than the grieving process, I'll say that. <laughs> so unhealthy regulation is, you know, drugs, um, alcohol, partying, um, unstable relationships, just flitting from thing to thing to thing. It's distracting yourself. Now, on one hand, distracting yourself is a healthy um, regulation method because you, you do have to stop the cycle and pull yourself out. But when your cycle becomes distractions, it becomes unhealthy. So yeah, go out there, have fun, join a sports team, have fun, get outside and play, get fit, go to a gym, start small, start somewhere, eat healthy, learn how to make something new. Um, Whatever it is, do a silly dance when nobody's looking. Do a silly dance when people are looking. You know, have fun. That's healthy because it doesn't... um, It doesn't really mask anything if you do stuff like that. Like being fit will actually change your brain to release the hormones that help you to feel better naturally. Your body will thank you for it. Um, And it's a resource that's free to everybody. There are countless videos on YouTube of workouts and all that and Instagram and whatever else. So it's just, it's a free resource and it's out there and it really does work. Another thing is to laugh. Steve Harvey said... If you force yourself to laugh, there's no room for depression where there is laughter. So things like that are regulatory. It's emotional regulation so that you don't go into the pit too far and you don't wallow. However, when it becomes unhealthy is when you rely on something external in order to feel even okay internally. Um... So if you feel like you can't be yourself unless you have, and then insert a dependency on whatever it may be. So um, there's something, if you have an attachment to something external that makes you feel that you need it in order to be okay internally, that's actually unhealthy. And that's what leads to that unhealthy regulation of that cyclic distraction. And so that's where you're telling yourself, they're the problem, I'm here, see, look at them, I'm better, and like that, that's not healthy. So neither is it healthy to say, oh, you know, she's so much better than I am, or anything like that. That's not healthy either. In fact, stop all comparisons, upward or downward, stop it all, and start practicing gratitude. Because, you know, even if it's just to be glad that you're able to process your emotions right now, take it. If you're glad to have found a dime on the ground, 
take it. If you're glad that it was a robin chirping and not a magpie, then take it. Whatever it is, start small and you'll see. There will always be something to be grateful for. Something. So that is my blurb on co-regulation, regulation unhealthy and regulation healthy. And also I would just like to point out that co-regulation is not unhealthy. So if you have friends that distract you and put other people down or, you know, get you drunk when you're sad or whatever, that may be an unhealthy emotional regulation or an unhealthy coping mechanism, but co-regulation is healthy. Just a fun fact for you. So moving on to trust. I decided that if I'm going to learn how to set healthy boundaries, because one of my biggest sort of pitfalls against myself is that I set boundaries and I realized the boundaries that I was trying to set were actually really reasonable and healthy. And even how I tried to sort of compromise on some of them was healthy. That was healthy. But I didn't really know how to stick with the boundaries. And so therefore, they were ripped up and walked right through every single time, very often. And then I didn't understand why I was feeling so uneasy all the time or anxious or uncomfortable or just not able to really thrive and find my my vibe. Um, and I essentially lost myself. Like I lost all elements of myself. Now, some of it I willingly was like, Kate, let's do away with this. It's not relevant anymore. But other parts I was like, where did this go? And there was a void. And people who have that void are often not trusting themselves because of lack of boundaries. They lose themselves. So looking at boundaries, it takes trust to even know what kind of boundaries that you want and should set and your values and all that, um, and to enforce them. It takes trust, and there are definitely some tactful ways of doing that, and that'll be different for everybody. Um, But let's talk about trust. There's a lot of things out there about recognizing red flags, and narcissism is such a huge thing that's just thrown around a big term, And so is, um, you know, BPD, borderline personality disorder, or mental health issues. If somebody's having a bad day, or even if somebody's just trying to set boundaries, those can get thrown at you big time. Now, let me tell you this. There should not be a fad about having something wrong with you. I think that is ridiculous. And yes, there's going to be a lot of slack about that and a lot of opinions. And by all means, have your opinions. But... I don't know why it's so like the rage to have some sort of labeled diagnosis of something wrong with you. Another big one is OCD suddenly appearing as an adult or all of these things that I hear. um, I've heard them in such different areas of life. Um, One area I don't really hear about it is in the athletic sort of fitness world. And I'm very, very, very glad for that. So I would just like to point that out there for you who, people who uh, are kind of wanting to break away from that. Go to the gym. Most people are pretty health-seeking there. So trust. 
there are sort of five categories about trust. And I'm going off of um, a book about trust by Dr. Cloud. Henry Cloud is his name. He did, he did the love languages and the apology languages. Um, he created that and, and did a bunch of research and all of that. Very, very educated, very experienced. Um, and he's had his own journey. It's not been an easy walk um, for a lot of his things which have developed, but it's very well known and it's reaching a lot of people and there seems to be a lot of consistency in what he has learnt and explained over time across human behavior and across cultures too. That's the cool part. Anyway, so Dr. Henry Cloud's book on trust, knowing when to give it, when to withhold it, how to earn it, and how to fix it when it gets broken. This is the book that I'm on. Um, he also writes a book about boundaries, which I've not read, but maybe I will. <laughs> so, um, anyways, there's five sort of criteria that he identifies consistently that a person should have all five of them to some degree. Of course, others will be, you know, more like you might have 90% in one category and 35% in the other. But when a person appears to be deficit in any of these one categories, they will be untrustworthy to you, even if you don't recognize it. And that's why you'll have that sort of uneasiness or you'll always test them or you might not treat them as well as you would the average person. And the nice thing I like about this is that it teaches you how to recognize this in yourself. Are you trustworthy? In what ways are you trustworthy? In what ways were you not? And how are you working to repair that with this person or that person or however set things right? Um, so the first one is understanding so that of course is do you feel seen do you feel heard do you feel valued do you value yourself do you value other people do you feel like you understand yourself do you know why you react to certain things a certain way and not only that but do you know what you're going to do about it and what's actually going to rectify the issue not just make you feel better but actually fix the issue long term deep within you that's understanding. Um, understanding leads to doing the right actions at the right time, like making right decisions kind of more naturally. And this is where I was caught up because I was like not even really checking in with myself. I was just having to survive and it was just these huge life disasters, one right after the other, after the other, after the other for a long time. So I wasn't checking in with myself which means I never really got to know myself. Um, and so I was not able to even make the right decisions. Of course, the train starts to come now. <laughs> ah, there it is, honking out the window. <laughs> Anyways, and so when you don't trust yourself, you can't actually make the right decisions. And therefore, you fall into this the cycle of bad things happening and you don't know why. And of course, some sometimes things like that are going to happen. But when you trust yourself, um, they won't have as big of an impact and you can come out of it way faster, way faster. Okay, so the second one is motive or intention. 
So do you feel like the person has an ulterior motive? Do you trust what they're saying to be true? Do they show a higher propensity to harm you or to do good? Do they deliver on what they say? And do they follow through in healthy ways? Do you deliver on what you say? And do you deliver in healthy ways? Um, and then, of course, it's how do you feel as a person through it all? Like, do you feel like shitty all the time or bad or whatever? Or do you feel pretty good and content? And this goes for how people make you feel as well as how you make others feel. Do you tend to make people feel good or not? I realized I was not making people feel very good about themselves. Um, and so when people don't feel good about themselves around you, for any reason at all, um, they lash out. Because it seems to be human nature to try to bring you down when they're feeling bad. Instead of looking at someone who makes you feel like shit and saying, how do I, how do I learn from them? How do I better myself? And that's what I'm learning to do um, when, when facing people who do kind of make me feel insecure or whatever. A lot of my insecurities have kind of closed because I was very intentional about that. But I mean, of course, you're still going to be insecure about something. And some people will intentionally make you feel bad just because. Like I've had people mistreat me and then they tell me it's because I'm too pretty or I'm too happy or I need more life experience, and they obviously know jack shit about my life story, um, and they're judging a book by the cover. Those kind of people are really annoying because they take that entitlement upon themselves to try to harm you or try to bring you down because of some insecurity of theirs. So if somebody's telling you, well, I'm not the problem, you are, you this, you that, blah, 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 check into what they're saying. Don't accept it all right away, but check into it because there may be elements of truth in there. And so you'll have to sift through. And as you learn to trust yourself, this whole sifting through like process uh, will become easier over time. So then you can actually identify, well, you know what? I was kind of snotty that day. Maybe I could go back and say, hey, you said this the other day and I realized it's because I was probably coming across this way. I just wanted you to know it had nothing to do with you. And it's up to that person how they they accept or reject your efforts of trying to make things right. So again, motivation and intention. Is it to cause you harm or is it to grow or is it to help you develop in healthy ways? How do they make you feel? Everybody on the planet wants to feel cared for and trusted. Everybody on the planet wants to feel that way. The next one, the third one, is ability. So does the person making the big promises actually have the capacity to deliver on what they're promising? It could be emotionally. It could be physically, like materialistically. Or it could be physically, as in being near. Or, you know, do they have... Do they have the resources and are they willing to lend those resources to fulfill their promises to you? Do they have the abilities and resources? Of course, this has to be a give and take. 
But as you learn to understand yourself, you'll learn how you can contribute in healthy ways as well and what you can accept and feel good about accepting. And so, therefore, you will increase your own ability to be trustworthy as you develop this skill and as you recognize it in other people. The fourth one here is character. This, of course, is your personal makeup. So everybody has a mind, everybody has a body, and I think that the heart or the spirit is the sort of individualizing characteristic of a person. This is the fingerprint, the snowflake, the no two are alike. I think that is the spirit. So, and that is your personal makeup, your character. And so part of this is da 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 emotional regulation. So a person's character shows up in how they manage themselves and others and you. So do they treat you like shit? And when do they do that? Behind closed doors or kind of all the time? Doesn't matter who's there or not. Or do they treat you nicely? Do they treat you the same in front of people as they do when you're alone? Or do they change? Um, are they willing to work on themselves? Um, are they constantly learning and growing professionally, spiritually? How do they handle differences between people? Um, what are their morals, you know, their habits, their values? You know, do they have wisdom? Do they have discernment? Do they have tact? Do they care about how they make you feel beyond just saying they feel bad for making you feel bad? Like care is, care is pretty prevalent. It's a strong part of a person's character because they'll show how they care. Um, I am not a huge believer in this whole caring from afar thing. I think if you legit care, it'll be known. A person should never have to guess if you care or not. Um, of course, part of this is, um, you know, favor and preference. Courage. Do they have courage? Um, responsibilities do they take responsibility for how they made you feel do they go out of their way to actually make things right with you or do they treat you like shit and then treat somebody else better because they treated you badly or you know what is it what's there that is a character um mark trait so but that can be changed over time but there are certain elements of character that don't change over time and victor frankel is an Austrian neuroscientist, psychologist, and he was, went, went off to Auschwitz um, and a few other concentration camps during the World War II. And so his family got picked up and drug over there, and his dad died, his mom got terminated, um, and his wife, you know, suffered what the women suffered brutally, and then she ended up dying. She was 24. She actually got taken on her 24th birthday, or the, the day after, day, day before, sorry, the day before her 24th birthday, which is really tragic, um, to the, the concentration camp. She didn't die right away, but she was 24, and she died some years later. So anyway, so Viktor Frankl ended up coaching... Um, people along his journey, partly for his own sanity and partly to, to learn. And um, he said there are kind of experiences 
drastic, drastic experiences like that, that determine the quality of a person's character and that debunk the statement that a person is a product of their environment. So this was his um, kind of life vocation after he got back from the war and started doing his logotherapy, which is basically creating meaning from certain experiences, um, usually symbolic of some kind. And there's, there's a whole bunch of resources on that online that you can look at. Victor Frankel is the author, and he writes the book, A Man's Search for Meaning. And there's an audiobook of that on YouTube, which I listened to, and I like it because they separate it into parts. So there's a lot of information in there. Um, and it can be pretty intense, just a, a little heads up there. Anyways, so we are not a product of our environment because even in the midst of the concentration camps, some people save their pieces of bread and gave their last rations to a friend that needed it. And, you know, just things like that. They were in dire straits. It's not like they had a saved up ration somewhere else. They were literally giving the last of what they had. So that showed true character to those people, that they were truly that kind of person. And then there's also the people who changed and they became domineering. As soon as they were given authority of any kind, they yelled at the others and took what they wanted and things like that and mistreated others who were somehow at a lower rank in order to try to gain approval or survive somehow. That is their character revelation. That is who they are. And that's sort of an innate way to bring it out is, is by how you handle somebody who's going through trauma or how you yourself handle trauma and how you come out of it. And so the fifth one is the track record. That is not something that a person considers about themselves very often. So when I read that, I was like, ooh, um, yeah, mic drop. <laughs> that's that's a big one. So the idea here is that a person's maps are made out of what happened last time. So what happened last time and the time before and the time before is a good indicator of what will happen next time. However, I'm going to interject here and I'm going to say that is not written in stone. People are capable of changing. And it's amazing how much a person can do when they are simply intentional. Um, I've covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time because A, um, I made my environment safe. I found a safe place. Um, I made it really cozy and comfortable. I narrowed down my social circle. So a lot of those negative voices and very opinionated ones, I kind of diminished because I had to. I was living for them more than myself. And quite frankly, I was really miserable. And when my life crashed, they were just sitting there casting more opinions and not really helping. So that was hard because I'm kind of, typically I'm quite friends with everybody. And this is the first time in my life that I'm like, nope, I do not have to be and I'm not going to. 
And so it's very interesting. Even that alone has generated opinions because some people are like, oh, well, you're depressed. I get it. And it's like, no, I'm not depressed. I'm going outside, fix my bike up, decorated my car in a beach theme. Like I'm, I'm going and socializing. My friend just got a puppy. I go and play with the puppy all the time. Uh, I go hiking. Like I'm, I'm out there. I go to the gym. I love my new gym membership and you know, enrichment. So part of enrichment is trimming the hedges. And that means the people that always want to put you in a box. So the track record is something that you can look back at yourself and say, how is my track record in ABC? Like, do I usually finish what I start or do I usually choose people who are going to hurt me or do I whatever, whatever it is for you, right? And then if you notice some negative things, then you say, oh shit, that really sucks. And I have to take responsibility of that. How am I going to break this pattern? That's what I did about myself. I looked back at my track records for certain things and I saw some least favorable things. And I was like, dang, because like remorse and regret is such a huge thing to overcome, especially if you're typically one of those people that takes the blame for everything, like all of the blame. I'm one of those people. And, you know, so it's just, it's just really hard to overcome that, especially if other people don't seem to care and they've had a part in things, then it's really hard to overcome. But what I did is I looked back at my track record through certain experiences Um, a vast range, like spanning back years and years and years and just kind of looking at it like academically, I have a pretty good track record. So my current sort of experience with nursing is the outlier. I've always had high success and all that and quite enjoyed it. Um, But the nursing experience was quite horribly not like that at all. (laughs) And then, you know, same thing with like, Um, a few community sports events or teams or, or even music. Like I've had a really good track record with all of those things. So when I'm trimming things and I'm doing life revisions, I don't have to cut those things out permanently because they were never bad. It's just that right now I don't have a lot to give into those things because I'm healing from freaking everything. So I am starting to um, give back into those things though. Cause I feel like a lot of the healing it's done and stuff like that. So the track record is how do I treat myself when I'm going through trauma? And this is where people are going to have different levels of understanding based on their own experiences. So a person going through trauma tends to revert to the way they were treated in the trauma. So for instance, um, for a long time, my, my, sibling, one of my siblings would rock back and forth or like hit themselves or, you know, something like that when they were a small child. Now, thankfully they're out of that, um, many years later in life, but it breaks my heart to hear that. Um, and I know why, because of the traumas that I went through. So my tendency is that I tend to not eat and I tend to recluse. I withdraw socially and stuff like that. If I'm being, if I'm going through a trauma, that's what I tend to do. And I shut down, like I don't talk. Uh, <laughs> I know hard to picture, right? <laughs> but 
you know, it's good to actually identify those things because then if you start to notice it, you can build rapport by understanding these things about yourself and learn how to handle it in a healthier way so that it doesn't become on the other person to understand and cope with your traumatic responses. Now, I've had people say, well, it's not my responsibility that you get triggered about everything. Um, and they're trying to put me in situations that are triggering so they know that I was triggered but they just don't care they're like it's not my responsibility let me tell you something it is their responsibility to not trigger you if you have the awareness and you say hey I don't really want to do something and let's say it's specific it's something specific and that should be easily followed And it's not detrimental to their lives. Like it's not going to be a life-changing thing if they don't do whatever it is. Um, So if, like for instance, let's just say if, if a shoe drops, you get really scared because maybe it sounds like a gunshot, right? And so let's say somebody comes in all the time and they're throwing their shoes on the floor and you're always triggered by that. And then you realize that is the trigger and you tell them, hey, can you just sort of Take your shoes off quietly because I'm getting really triggered. Just so you know, this is not one of my trauma responses. This is just an example, right? And then let's say that person's like, I can do what I want. It's not my problem. I don't have to, you know, it's not my responsibility to not trigger you. Then that shows the, the lack of understanding about you and even about them. Why are they reacting that way, right? Is it really that crucial? Is it really that critical? And then it shows that they have the ability, but they're choosing not to um, help you or to be supportive or whatever. So that's going to counteract previous promises they've made, maybe, of supporting you. And then that's also going to show that character. Um, so they're, they're essentially going to break your trust by doing things like that. And it's their own lack of insight that's going to break your trust. For me personally, a person who shows that they are working on themselves will win my respect faster than all the education in the world. Like, I don't know what it is, but if I know that somebody is legit working on himself or herself or whatever um, to better, like introspection is huge, but it's beyond saying, well, I like this, so I want that. It's beyond that. It's saying, what the hell did I do wrong and how can I make it right with this person? And if you put a feeler out there to try to make things right and that person treats it like shit and rips it up and shoves it in the garbage, then that's on them. You've done what you could to make things right. If you know within yourself, honestly, that you meant it and you were sincere and it was done in a healthy way, then absolutely you've done the best and that is on them. And that's probably in their track record. (laughs) So, yeah. But the nice thing is you can change your track record. Really, it's so cool. You can change certain things about your character. Because I believe that everybody has a healthy core. But it's just some are dealt really shitty hands in life. And some aren't. And some are more curious. And some aren't. Some resign to their traumas. And some don't. And so it's just, you know, there's just certain... Life is just funny, just can tear you apart in the blink of an eye, but it can also give you what you need to get back on your feet. Um, yeah, in the blink of an eye. <laughs> maybe maybe a really slow blink of the eyes, but uh, blink of the eye nonetheless. 
So, yeah, so that's my blurb about trust and co-regulation. Now, these five things, it's your understanding, your motivation, your ability, your character, and your track record. These are things that you must check with yourself. If you're going to build good rapport with yourself, then you can build it with other people, and that means intrinsically. And as you build this good rapport with yourself, all the haters and the naysayers, I really just wanted to say that word, um, they'll fall by the wayside and you will not be so crushed by that process. Of course, sometimes it's going to suck. Um, but even then, you'll be able to pull out of that a little bit faster and you'll be able to find ways of building rapport. They say water goes down a hill the same way. And it's true. Going hiking, you can see it. All the pathways and the little rivers that come down from the snow, the ridges in the stone. Um, but you know what? You can dig a trench. It takes more work, but the effort is going to be just as good, even better. Because usually if you're digging a trench, it's to bring the water down to a place where you can collect it, to a dugout so you can go canoeing or kayaking, or to water your garden so you can eat those nice crisp cucumbers. Mm-mm. Mmm, cucumbers. So that is the spiel. The spiel. One last story to share. So Viola Davis, the name is raging. She's in a lot of movies. She was in Woman King. I got to see that when I was returning on my flight with my roommate and friend um, back from Greece in March. They had that on the airplane, so I was fortunate enough to see it. It was still in theaters, so lucky me, I got to see it for free. Was it really free, though? Because, I mean, I did pay for the ticket, but we'll say free because it sounds fun. And so I read her book because my friend was, like, talking about it, and I was like, it sounds great. She lent me the book. I read it in a day. It was great. And Viola Davis has a great story. Like, she's had a hard walk, even though she graduated from Juilliard and all of that. It was not an easy um, thing for her to start getting into acting. It took a lot of effort and a lot of judgment and all that. But here she is coming out on top. So good for her. I want to meet her. She's going to be my mentor one day. I promise. Actually, I don't. Yeah, I promise because it's going to happen. She just seems so cool. Anyway... So her dad was not kind. He beat her mom, like very badly, you know, wounds to the eyes, broken bones. She needed stitches. She had broken this and that, fractures and all that stuff. Um, and there were many times when it was life-threatening. Now, he didn't beat the kids that way, but, I mean, they were witness to it. And witnessing abuse to someone is also counts as abusive. So... Um, anyways, he was pretty dreadful. So she buggered off and went to Chicago or whatever for her school and then, uh, did her Juilliard stuff and had her own experiences, which she shares in her book. And her dad, um, I believe some of her siblings had kids, her brother and her sister had some kids. Um, like they were both married and, um, the sister, I think, she got divorced after four years or something, and then the kids needed some support from the family, and the brother, I don't remember if he divorced or not, but they needed some support with the kids as well. So um, the parents stepped in, and her dad, like, changed 
She said he started changing when she went off to her first undergrad degree. And the real changes were when these grandkids started coming around because it was like he finally accepted that he was needed and loved and needed. And he just changed. He hit this point where he wanted to change. You can need to change. You can definitely need to change. But until you want to, it's not going to happen. And some people, it seems like most people, if not all people, have to hit rock bottom before that that real want to change comes. And that's what happened to me. I was like, the hell with this shit. I do not like who I am right now. I don't like how this made me feel. And I don't like who I became in this and in this. And so I completely separated those things. Like nursing, for instance, that's one of the big ones. And that was a really hard decision. But I feel more like myself again. And that's where it's like that good rapport is coming back to myself. And that's where I'm like, wow, I was literally living for other people's words and doing what they told me I should do. So crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, So Viola Davis's dad did that, where he reached this point where he wanted to change and he maybe had to change. And he became very loving and supportive and treated her mom like gold, like massaged her feet, was always apologizing, took full ownership of what he had done and treated her like a princess. If she wanted water, he got her water, like just very sincerely remorseful but not negative about it and that impacted me surprisingly the most about her story because of my own biological parents because of my uh, recent experiences with a number of people that were really really hurtful um, during a time when I was hurting and I was honest about hurting and why and they were part of it and they were not sorry And I just kind of struggle with that sometimes because not only was I insulted, but I was forgotten too. And that's what trauma recipients tend to battle the most is how do I find my value when they don't even care and they knew they were treating me badly. That's really hard. And that's where building that rapport with yourself comes in. Not everybody has kids as their purpose. Um, Not everybody has a great, excellent career as their purpose. But the many people who do have kids and a career still don't feel that sense of purpose. So it boils down to you. Boils down to you trusting yourself. And when you do go out of your way to make things right with people in a sincere, honest, healthy way, um, it builds trust with you even if that person rejects it and treats you like shit still. Like it just, because you know you've done what you could and you're like, okay. And it's not always that easy to move on. (laughs) But at the end of the day, you will be able to move on faster. Um, Just, you know, it frees you from guilt. It, It allows you to put it out to the universe to say, hey, like I tried my best. I did this. Um, How else can I redeem my situation in this and this and this? And things will happen. You'll see. You'll see. 
Sometimes you have to go into something completely different, be it a brand new social circle, be it having to finally stand up for yourself and saying, nope, I don't want to do this or, you know, whatever, just might have to be a completely new situation, but new is not always bad and life is not always bad. Have you ever noticed that people say, oh, well, that's just life. Usually when there's something bad, but I'm like, no, this is not just life. That's not life. Life has a lot of good things too. I have this one friend and she was saying that. She's like, well, life is unfair, Madria. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> I already know that. Look at my life, man. I've been through more trauma than most people I know. That's not to say I don't know anybody else who's gone through trauma. I'm just saying I've been through so much, especially as a kid. Um, and so it's just like, you don't have to tell me life is unfair. That's such a freaking annoying statement. But this friend also says, you know, something's bugging me or something's bad or whatever. They're like, that's, that's life. And it's like, no, it's not because I know life is good. I see it. I see it out there that life is good and therefore it will be good for me too. And that takes understanding that life does suck, but let's not forget that life can be awesome too. And we can trust that because it's out there. So that was quite the blurb. I didn't intend on being almost an hour. I thought it'd be 20 minutes and done, but there it is. That is my last episode of the Working With Woes podcast series. I could say I have worked through them. Um, there's some residual effects still. Of course, it's going to wave a little bit, but it's less extreme. So it's it's calmed down. I'm kind of facing, you know, um, some of the things that I'm taking on and putting off, trimming off. And uh, when I think about it, it's really only been about seven months, you know, since this kind of huge disaster not even a year since the other disaster so eh, not a lot of time has gone by but it feels like decades so I'm hoping to kind of wrap up those things as well and get a little bit more closure and man I'm heading towards some redemption I want to redeem myself I want to redeem some situations and I don't know how but I'm putting it out there because let me tell you what redemption is awesome and it's usually long-lasting and positive and like whoa how could this happen in a good way I'm looking for that now so I hope that something in these podcasts strikes a happy chord with you that you're like okay somebody out there gets it this person has been shit on and she's getting up somehow so I can too so Take care of yourselves, build good rapport with yourselves, learn about trust because trust is what helps you set healthy boundaries and take care of other people too. Be kind. Kindness is rare these days and it's not healthy to be self-indulgent. It's not because self-indulgent people are actually pretty unhappy. So be healthy, get fit, go outside, believe in something other than yourself, and be healthy, okay? Thank you for listening to my podcasts. Um, share them if you want, and I hope that you found something good in them, okay? Bye.